This is the Life Church Podcast. Praise God. I am so proud of uh, the demons. Um, David and Amy, they have been serving faithfully in Calcutta, India. Just so you know, Calcutta is a city of around 20, the greater Calcutta area is around 20 million people. That's hard to understand because we live in a state that has maybe 4 million. So it's five times the population of the state of Iowa in one city. It's, uh, it's incredibly crowded. We met the Dingmans back in 2011 at first, and then um, we had a team from Life Church that went after that, and then I joined a team, another team from Life Church that went in 2015. And uh, there we connected with the Dingmans. It was a great time you know, getting together with the Dingmans and kind of hearing their vision, uh, they began to share some things that were really deep on their heart. This burden that they were talking about in the video, this burden that they had for this particular village that they've been connecting with people with. It's a, it's, you know, about an hour plus drive from their house where they lived. Uh, and so they, but they had made, established some great relationships, had already at that time when we met them in 2015, one young man from this village had already given his life to Christ and been baptized. Uh, it's, it's, you know, 100% Muslim area where they're at. And so already one person had given their life to Christ and was baptized. It was just fantastic. You know, the stories that we were hearing, we could catch, we're catching the vision. We're catching the passion that they had for, for this particular village, but also this idea that they wanted to bring some kind of economic development because it was an extremely poor uh, part. Uh, well, there's a lot of poor parts in India, but this is one of those very, very, some of the poorest people on the face of the earth. So, so when we connected with them, I have a picture here of, of uh, one of the meetings that we had. We were on a, the rooftop of a, uh, out in another village. Just, uh, this guy here to, the, to your right there, Abdullah, had invited us to his village because he was really interested in us helping them out in that village. Again, 100% Muslim kind of area. And one is, was wanting us uh, to be a part of, of serving in that village as well. And so, you, you know, we had great communication. Evidently, I made a friend. We can go to the next slide here. I, we were walking on the way to the water hole, and he just walked up behind me and just put his arm around me. And he's like, so I said, brother, you must come to this village. You must come to this village. And he was just inviting us to come. Uh, so uh, that's, uh, I'm wearing a lungi, not a skirt. Don't call it a skirt. It is not a skirt. It's called a lungi, which is what men wear. It's kind of like the short. You're not really allowed to wear shorts over there, you know. So, so it's like they're shorts in that part of the world. And so this next uh, picture, this is 2015, in January of 2015, we were there. We, uh, we went to the market to purchase some used saris. If you don't know what a sari is, it's six yards of material, uh, about a yard wide and six yards long that Indian women use as their dress. And so they wrap themselves around it, around with it. And it's, it's, it's amazing, incredibly beautiful. I don't know how in the world, my wife did it for years, how in the world they get six yards of material wrapped around and there's nothing, you know, except one little safety pin right here. You know, and it's all held up. I don't know how they do that, but, um, but anyway, they, 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 uh, they, that's what the women wear. Once it's no good, they kind of throw it away, and then garbage pickers go, and they pick through the garbage, and they find used saris, clean them up, and take them to a market to sell as used saris. And so these saris get sold in this market. So 
Um, when we were in Calcutta, we, the, the team, we went down to the market and we uh, started shopping for used saris that were going to be then repurposed into blankets or t- like this is a table runner. They do things like that with these, with these used saris. And that's the economic development. That's the remade center that we, we helped support this past year in Calcutta, India. So in this picture, you see there's a, there's a team. You have myself, you have Joel Kettleson, Rose, Alyssa was there, and then some of the missionary team there. And then there was uh, Abdul Photobomber right in the middle. He just jumped right in there, and he's like, hey, I'm a part of this team too. I don't know what he thought, but he jumped in the picture. And so... Uh, We've been working with them for the past for the past year and helping them. And you saw the video. the The progress is amazing. You have been so generous, and the building is up now. They are now ten minutes away from their from the place where they've been serving for the last ten years, and it's just it's fantastic. Um, in Mark three, there's this passage that talks about the the apostles coming and. It says that, that they came to Jesus. Jesus called them that they might be with him and that he might send them out that really part of, part of our discipleship is not just simply coming to church, sitting down and getting fed. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. To be a fully devoted follower of Christ is one who receives God's word, God's word changes their life, and then they get sent out by Christ into the world. And that's really, that's really the call that we have here at Life Church. For the last 13 years, we've, we've been using a little tagline, mission is why the church exists, and love is the context of all mission. Right? This, it, it, the DNA of this church is this idea that everyone, everyone needs to hear the gospel. Everyone. And so we sacrifice, we risk, we engage, we go so that everyone can hear the gospel. And you hope, hopefully you've heard this enough around here as we talk about it, that, that you too are, are engaging in your own community, in your workplace, because everyone needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, there's two ways that we engage in mission financially. The first one is global impact. You've probably not heard much about global impact. We don't talk about it a lot as far as those words, but basically... We've done it since the beginning of this church. 13 years ago when we started this church, we said 10% of everything that comes in is going to go back to missions. We've just, that's just been part of our heart. And so essentially around this time of the year, a little bit before this time of the year, we begin to budget for the next year. We start thinking about what needs to happen next year. We look at a lot of stats. We look at a lot of numbers. We put them all together, and we come up with a, a general idea of what we can expect in income next year. And then the first thing that we do is we, we knock 10% off of that as our desire to give back to missions. So it goes towards global missions, it goes to local outreach, it goes to benevolence, and uh, that's, called, that's called global impact. We do this every year. And so we invite you to become a regular giver here at Life Church. We ask you to, to, to hear the, the, the will of God and the command of God to, to be generous and to be a giver. And so we ask you to give you, your tithe, your 10%. And so every time you give, if that's who you are, when you give... You're not only helping the operations of this, of this church here, but you're also giving the missions because 10% of everything you give goes back to the mission field. So that's, we're, we're very um, proud of that. It's something that we believe in. It's something that's not going to ever change for us. We, in fact, we'd love it to be even higher than that, but we're, we're working towards that. The second way in which we, we, we do missions financially is through Kingdom Builders. And you've heard about that. You've been hearing about Kingdom Builders for this past year. We actually launched it this year. We had a little bit of a late start. We, uh, 
We didn't launch until March. But basically, Kingdom Builders is this above and beyond kind of thing. So we're asking you to, to give financially, to be a regular giver by tithing, but then to think and pray you know, above and beyond that, how you can give sacrificially towards, uh, towards basically accelerating mission around the world. As we, we use the word, we, you know, we take the gospel further and faster through Kingdom Builders. Well, this year we launched Kingdom Builders, and it was, it was amazing. Our goal was $130,000. Now, let me be honest with you, okay? Our committee sat around and we talked about, you know, what we can do for Kingdom Builders. I did a bunch of numerics of, you know, what can possibly happen, you know, and with the size church that we have. And, and so we added a little bit of stretch on that. And so we said, we can, we can probably do $130,000 as a commitment towards, uh, as our life church's commitment towards accelerating the gospel around the world. But honestly... We all agreed as a committee. Then I went home. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm scared. I'm terrified. I, th- I just know what's going to happen. Those people that have been regularly tithing are going to reach into their tithe pocket, and they're going to pull out their tithe, and then they're just going to put it right back into their kingdom builder's pocket. And then when the kingdom builder's offering comes around, they're going to take out of their kingdom builder's pocket and give the kingdom builder's. We will celebrate kingdom builders, but we won't be able to pay the bills here at Life Church. That was a little bit of a worry. Yeah, you just got inside my head for a few minutes, right? Um, and then the Lord really rebuked me. And I remember just praying about this and having a little bit of anxiety and tension about it. And so I felt like the Lord said to me, listen, Rich, if you take care of my business, which is basically taking the gospel further and faster, if you take care of my business, I will take care of this church. And so he pushed me off the edge of that cliff. (laughs) And so he committed $130,000. Well, let me tell you something. We launched this in March, and you guys exceeded our expectations. In March, after we talked about Kingdom Builders for about a month and a half, we received commitments, and we received $202,237 in commitments. Amen. Amen. That's fantastic. But listen, a commitment is just a commitment. You know? We can promise anything. (laughs) But in the last eight months since we launched this, in the last eight months, of that $202,173,228 has already been given in the last eight months. That's, That's worth celebrating. Amen. And it's actually going to be more because I got a check here in my pocket that, that God has kind of called Christy and I to stretch a little bit to, to give towards, uh, towards kingdom builders as well. So, so, you know, and there's more that people are going are gonna to be giving. So, I mean, God is awesome and he's faithful. And you know what else? On the tithe end of things that I was a little bit worried about, we're actually up 20% this year as well. So that's good. God is faithful. God is faithful. So thank you. Thank you so much for your tenacious faith. Thank you for your willingness to sacrifice to build God's kingdom. So what is Kingdom Builder? Some of you might be like, okay, I'm new to this. I hear we're talking, it's some kind of funding initiative, I get it. But what is Kingdom Builder? Kingdom Builders basically is this funding initiative that has basically three primary directional focuses. The first focus is global missions. So um, uh, we, we, you saw the video of, of the Dingmans. That's part of global missions and the Remade Center. So one of the projects within Kingdom Builders for global missions is the Remade Center. 
we gave $25,000 towards, towards the Remade Center this past year. You guys gave $25,000 towards, towards the Remade Center this past year. Uh, we have Speed the Light, which is a, an organization that purchases vehicles and audio equipment to basically accelerate the gospel as, as well around the world. There's Project Rescue, which is a... Uh, is a, an organization that helps with the sex trafficking around the world. They started out in India, but they're now, now they're in various places around the world. And they're essentially rescuing women from the, from the sex trade, rehabilitating them, giving them skills to basically get back in, in, integrated back into society and to live a full and, and whole life. And so we have uh, Project Rescue. And then the other global missions project was Live Dead. Live Dead is basically a church planning initiative to reach those who have never heard the gospel before. There are places around the world where people have never, ever, they don't even know. You say Jesus, they don't even know what you're talking about. What is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Um, and so Live Dead is about ch- planting churches among them. So that's, that's the first prong of Kingdom Builders. The second one is local church expansion. Local church expansion basically is, is expanding our campuses, expanding our influence here in the local area that we're in. Uh, one of the ways that we've done it this year, in fact, I'm looking at our online audience right now. Hey, welcome online audience. We're, we're glad you're here worshiping with us. But this year we were able to have a, an online uh, presence. And so uh, we, we bought equipment. Now every, more, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., People around the world can actually watch the, the service here at Life Church. And what's really cool, a couple of weeks ago, we had water baptism. I don't know if you remember being here for water baptism. And one of the people getting baptized was Diego. Diego, I'm sorry, brother. I, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Will you stand real quick? There's Diego. Diego got baptized. Amen. Uh, let's give Diego a hand. Yeah, amen. Diego, Diego had, you know, grew up in a Christian home, but, you know, had kind of walked away and then Two weeks ago, he said, hey, I'm committed to Christ. I'm going to live for Christ. And what's really cool is that his parents and his family and different friends back in Argentina, that's where he's from, is Argentina, they actually watched the service online while he was getting baptized here. Uh, I don't know what, 8,000 miles away, something like that, a long ways. Amen. Amen. So local church expansion. Then the, the third prong of Kingdom Builders is future leaders, where basically we, we risk everything for the next generation. Jairus is going to come in a few minutes. He's going to talk a little bit about that. Now, this is the first year of us doing this, and so there's a lot more to do. Um, obviously, $130,000, that was a cinch for you guys, right? So, uh, you know, there's more to be done and more that God can do around the world. Uh, we're fine-tuning some things still, we're, you know, but make no mistake about it. Kingdom Builders and you, Life Church, are making an impact around the world. Uh, one of the Kingdom Builders projects that we that we engaged in is is Live Dead, and particularly Live Dead uh, Central Asia. Live Dead uh, Silk Road actually is a more technical term because the Silk Road goes through Central Asia, and uh, it's a we're partnering with a couple by the name of Angelica and and, and Gustavo, and I won't say their last name just for security reasons because they. It's kind of delicate where they, where they live. You'll hear more about it in a second, but don't worry. We're, we're going to edit that in, the, in our video. <clears throat> but um, uh, Gustavo and Angelica, they're, 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 they're working and serving in Central Asia. Central Asia is one of the most difficult places 
in the world. In fact, for the last 40 years, there's been war going on in that part of the world. You know, you know, you've heard of Afghanistan. That's part of Central Asia. Pakistan, part of Central Asia. Iran, Iraq, Turkey, all that's part of Central Asia. And so, and so that's where these guys have been serving and working. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's a difficult place to be. And yet, yet, they are responding to the call of God. They've made the decision. They've made the choice to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do whatever you call me to do. And so I'm, I'm really, really thankful for them. Last, last month, um, uh, I... Uh, Gustavo had gotten a, uh, the government basically in the country he's in came to him and said, hey, your visa is not right. You need to leave the country in the next 24 hours. He got a deportation order. Well, this presented a huge problem for them. They're, they're a missionary family from Colombia. They don't, they're kind of low on finances. And so financially, this was difficult for them to take their five, you know, the five members of their family, just buy a plane, leave the country, and then some, live in some other country for a little while until they come back to this country. I mean, it was just a very difficult situation. So that very day, they prayed. They said, God, we need a miracle. We need a miracle from you, God. Will you provide a miracle for us? And God heard his prayer. Because that same day that he prayed that prayer, that same afternoon, 10,000 miles away, I woke up that morning with a little bit of a burden thinking about Gustavo. And I prayed for him that morning. I went into the office and I said to Amy, hey, Amy, I know we've designated $7,000 for Gustavo. Uh, will you just go ahead and disperse it now? It's kind of a tricky way of getting the money to him because he's from Colombia. He's not from the U.S. And so there's tricky ways of getting the money to him. So I asked Amy to disperse the money. And then by cur- just a matter of courtesy, because I wanted him to know that money was coming through this tricky way, <laughs> um, I just sent him a Facebook uh, message saying, hey, Gustavo, we have released the $7,000. You shall be getting it soon. Within seconds, I got a call back from Gustavo. I mean, he was weeping on the other side. He said, hermano, esta misma tarde, this very afternoon, I prayed for a miracle. I prayed for a miracle. And within an hour, I got your text. God has heard our, our prayer. He's answered our prayer. God has validated our call to this place just because you were giving. I want you to hear them say it to us on themselves. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Gustavo and Angelica, I so respect this young couple. I mean, I met him when he was just out of high school from Colombia. He visited us in Bangladesh. That was like almost 20 years ago. And, uh, and he said, I have a call of God on my life. So he said, but I don't, you know, the only way for me to get to, he was going to go to Bangladesh. The only way for him to get to Bangladesh is he had to go to college. He had to go to school. So he's Hispanic. He had to go to school to learn English so that he can then learn Bengali because the only way they teach Bengali is through English language. And so, and so he went to school to learn English, which he then learned Bengali, and then now God has called him to, to Central Asia and he's serving there. Now, did you see those kids? That's why we will do everything. We will risk everything to send people like that who say, God, here I am, I'll go, I'll go, and I'll uproot everything, and I'll go into a country that's, 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 has all kinds of security issues, has all kinds of war problems, but I'm going to go there because there are people who have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's why we do Kingdom Builders. That's why you stand behind Kingdom Builders. That's why we will not stop, stop doing this to reach everybody so that they can hear. Right now, Jairus is going to come. He's going to share a little bit about, about future leaders. <clears throat> well, like Pastor Rich said, um, the, third, the third direction of Kingdom Builders is, is future leaders. And one of the things we say around here is that, that we will risk everything for the next generation. Um, because we know that they are the future. We know that they are our future lawyers, our future doctors, that they are, they, many of them will be sent off to the mission field just like this, will be pastors. Um, so we will risk everything to send them, everything to, to, to equip them, everything so that they can experience everything that God has for their life. And so for this year, uh, in, in 2018, we, we had three things that we, we really pledged to with, with future leaders. We said the first one was our campground that we send our, our kids to and, and that we send our, our youth to. And, and we said we, we wanted to invest into the campground. And the, the next thing we said is, is that we wanted to um, invest into Chi Alpha. And, uh, and Chi Alpha, if you don't know much about Chi Alpha, Chi Alpha is a student ministry uh, on the Iowa campus. And, and we have um, the wonderful Miss Alyssa Stroh. Um, Alyssa, would you stand up just real quickly for us? Um, can we just uh, celebrate Alyssa real quick? Um, if you haven't met Alyssa, um, you need to. Uh, because Alyssa... Um, just like the missionaries that we send all around the world, um, has said, hey, I, I'm willing to step out and, and be sent to, to the college campus um, to reach students for Jesus, to, 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 to show people uh, what God wants to do within their life. And so with Alyssa, we, this year we've said, hey, we, we want to support you. We want to send you in, in the best ways that we can. So within this last year, actually, we, we helped Alyssa purchase um, this vehicle and this trailer um, as she has to set up and tear down every single week to have service into a classroom um, to, to give her the opportunity to do that and to, to get back and forth from that. And, and we have decided that we want to do everything we can to help the next generation, to help equip the next people who are going to be leading our country, who are going to be leading our, our city. And the other thing too with that is, is that uh, my wife and I, the, the future leaders direction of this is very near to our heart uh, as we are youth pastors. And um, here's what I get to see. Week in and week out, I get to see some pretty, pretty amazing students. I get to see um, one of the, the craziest generations I think we've ever seen with the ability to multitask like crazy, <laughs> with the ability to do all kinds of things. But I, I've seen students that God has, had a, has a call on their life. And one of, the, one of the students I want to share with you this morning, and we actually have a video that we're going to show you, is her name is Shay. And Shay, I, I, we've known Shay since we've been here for this last little while, and um, God has done some pretty amazing things within her life. Shay, Shay maybe, she grew up um, going to church, but without really a relationship with God, without feeling like she really belonged. And... God has done some truly amazing things in her life through the third part of our, our future leaders part, which is camp scholarships. And she received a camp scholarship, uh, a full scholarship to go to camp this year. Um, and I want you to hear just a little bit about her story. Hi, my name is Shay, and this is my story. I've been going to life since seventh grade, where my best friend Sophie started bringing me to youth group. I loved, like, the social aspect of it. Last year is um, when things started clicking for me. Jairus would ask me, to, he would do, ask me to do a bunch of things around, like help set up and tear down, help with check-in, help with the sound system. Every week. I don't know what it is, but something totally just 
spoke to me and I always felt like um, I didn't really have any talents. I didn't really feel like I had anything to give. I never really felt like I, I fit in with the church kids and I really felt like I fit in with the, the cool kids at school, but like there was there's something that was different about me. I've started like finding a sense of belonging. Um, over the summer, I had a chance to go to youth camp. I actually wasn't gonna go in the first place. I couldn't afford it. Through Kingdom Builders, I received a full scholarship to go to camp. Something happened Thursday night. Almost everyone in the chapel was on their knees just praying. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that before. I was like, move, like moving through the crowd and just silently praying over everyone, which is something I've never really like done before. At camp, I, I guess I really like started to learn how to use my leadership skills, which was really good for me. <laughs> um, am I supposed to still keep on talking? Shay's the best. <laughs> um, the, the thing about Shay is that um, it's a lot of people who have invested into Shay's life over the years. But within this last year, Shay has just, it's like she's completely become aware of the, of the call that God has on her life. And we've talked about this a little bit. Um, that God has a very big call on Shay's life. And within this last year, she's, she's been baptized. And this last year, she, she interned. She practically helps me run student leadership. And she's looking towards her future with moments like this at camp. And the thing about camp is camp is amazing. Camp is, is a, is a, is a week-long experience where you have fun and it's awesome. But it's moments like that where she began to step into the call that God had on her life to walk around the room and begin to pray for her peers and begin to believe that God was going to move in their hearts the same way that he moved in her, her heart. And let me tell you about something that's happened through all this, that we have seen a movement come from, from students like Shay. And we, there was $2,000 that were given to camp scholarships here that we, we saw students' lives changed. And they began to take it and God is planting seeds within their heart to be, to be a change in this, uh, in this next season of life. And um, the last five weeks of this year, um, we, we took pledges for Kingdom Builders because students said that they wanted to get behind what we're doing as well. And they began to make pledges and they began to ask God, God, how much do you want me to give to Kingdom Builders over the next five weeks? And they, they wrote down what they felt like God put on their heart. And I just want to tell you this morning that, that students pledged over $6,000 to Kingdom Builders over just a short period of five weeks. And that is just, it blows me away. Because here's what I'm seeing, okay? Hands on, we're seeing junior high boys say, hey, I'm, I'm going to sell my video games. I'm, I'm seeing high school students say, I'm going to give up my paycheck. And, 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 and what's happening is that students are sacrificing what they have so that other people can experience freedom, so that other people can know about Jesus and experience with that for their own lives. And can I tell you what happens when we do that? The students don't just get involved in something like Kingdom Builders. That all of a sudden they're getting involved in the call that God has on their life. And just like kids like Shay, they're stepping into it and they're, 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 they're going to start doing the work that God has put in, in, in their plans. So one more time this morning, can we just celebrate what God is doing through future leaders? Amen. You know, there's this uh, story in the Bible, and I know you're probably wondering, what? It's 1058 and he's going to start preaching? Don't worry. Don't worry. It's not going to be long at all. 
there's this amazing story in the Bible, the Gospels, of the feeding of the 5,000. You're familiar with How many of you are familiar with the feeding of the 5,000 story in the Bible, right? Uh, it's where Jesus basically provides food for thousands and thousands of people. Um, and, you know, it's in a, in a very miraculous way. They were hungry, but they were incapable of finding food, so Jesus provides food for them. And we know, what we know about Jesus is that he is moved with compassion, right? When he sees... When he sees the poor, when he sees the disenfranchised, when he sees the hungry, when he sees the the disconnected, the lost, he's moved with compassion. And so he wants to do something about it. In many ways, this story of the feeding of 5,000 is kind of a metaphor for the world that we live in today, a world of billions of people that are lost, disconnected, and hungry, hungry for the bread of life. So in this story of the feeding of 5,000, Jesus is presented with a problem, and the problem is that they're, they're hungry. The disciples come to him and say, hey, Jesus, you need to send them away because there's no, you know, it's kind of late in the day, and there's nowhere for them to get food. They need to get to their home so they can make themselves something to eat tonight. They're hungry. McDonald's is about to close. McDonald's is not in the Bible, just in case you're wondering. And secondly, if you thought for, seriously, was you need to read your Bible. But anyways, uh, but Jesus doesn't skip a beat. He just, like, he hears them say, here's the problem. They're hungry. We need to send them off. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. Now, when he says you feed them, he's giving them a command. And we can contextualize it. We can look at it and say, yeah, he's telling those people to feed that multitude of 5,000 plus people. But the reality is, is that, like I said, it's a metaphor. It's it's something that actually speaks to us today. It's Jesus looking at Life Church saying, hey, you see Calcutta? You see Central Asia? You see Europe? You see the campus of the University of Iowa? And Jesus is saying, like to us, the same thing. You feed them. You feed them. So immediately, these disciples, as Jesus says, you feed them, they go into this, they start doing the math. I'm really good at doing math, by the way. I like to, in my head, I calculate a lot of things. And but these, these, they start doing the math and they conclude, well, wait a minute, it's going to take nine months of a person's salary for this, for this, you know, first we'll feed these, this large crowd of people. They're basically trying to veto Jesus on the decision to feed the, 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 the multitude. They're facing an impossible situation. Like in the natural, this is an impossible situation. I think oftentimes that's how that's the kind of faith that we have, a tentative kind of faith, a calculated kind of faith, right? A faith that, that does the math first to determine whether we're going to be obedient or not. That's not the faith that Jesus is looking for, though. The faith that Jesus looks for is this risky kind of faith. It's a faith that looks at an impossible situation and says, yes, it is impossible. Yes, I'm not sure we'll ever overcome it. But if you say so, Lord, then we're going to do it. And we're going to step out in that direction. So you know the story. Jesus takes this crowd and he feeds this crowd with just five little barley cakes and two, two pieces of fish. In the natural, there was no possible way that that crowd would, eat, would be able to, to eat. It was impossible. But I'm not surprised that the entire crowd got food that day and that there was food left over. Because after all, this is Jesus we're talking about, right? It's Jesus who broke the bread and fish. I mean, those same hands that broke the bread and fish are the ones that did like this, and there was millions and billions of stars in the sky. 
It was those same hands that formed every human body in its uniqueness so that there's not a single one of us alike on the face of the earth. So there's no surprise to us that Jesus was actually able to feed the multitudes. And oftentimes we read the story and that's what we conclude. That yes, yes, we get it. Jesus is a miracle worker. Yes, Jesus can feed the multitudes. Yes. And that's when we walk away. It's kind of this personal faith that, oh, I can trust a God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we can ever think or ask. But I think sometimes we miss out on the little boy in his sack lunch. We miss really the point of the story. The miracle didn't happen just out of nothing. There was seed that was planted. There was a little boy who had a sack lunch. This little boy could have said, no, this is my lunch. You should have packed your lunch. You're hungry because you didn't pack your own lunch. I have my lunch. Why should I give it up? But he didn't do that. He willingly gave his lunch to Andrew, who then took it to Peter, who then took, gave it to Jesus, and Jesus used it to multiply to feed this large crowd. Listen, any miracle that you're expecting or anticipating, the billions around the world that have yet to hear the name of Jesus Christ, it starts with our willingness to sacrifice something. Another obstacle we see, another issue we see is that it was only five loaves and it was two fish. Just five loaves and two fish. That's all it was. It was insignificant. Nothing to talk about. Nothing to brag about. And I think oftentimes that's, we see that. We see, we see what we have in our hands. It's just so insignificant. So maybe at the beginning of this year when we said, hey, our goal for Kingdom Builders is $130,000, you thought, whoa, what's, yeah, what's my... What's my $500 commitment going to do? What's my $100 commitment going to do? Maybe as you, as you heard that, maybe you felt convinced, hey, you know what? They're not going to miss my $500. I, it's, I mean, there's no way that I can do anything anyway. It's just too big of a challenge. And you felt dissuaded from actually doing anything. But if you did that, then you missed, you missed the point. You discounted the 5-2 principle that God takes what is insignificant, what is nothing, what in our eyes is not even worth talking about, and he breaks it, and he multiplies it, and he feeds the multitudes. And so your little $300 pledge, your $500 pledge, your $1,000 pledge for this year as small as you might think it, as it is in comparison to the 130,000, right now, right now, as we're talking, it's rescuing women from the sex trade in India. Right now, as we're talking, seeds are being planted in pl little towns in Eastern Europe and Eastern Turkey that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And out of that seed, it's going to start coming, it's going to germinate, it's going to get watered by these missionaries that are there, and out of that seed is going to come up a believer who's going to worship Jesus in an Islamic world, and this, they're going to worship Jesus, and then it's going to turn into a church. Right now, that little offering that you've gave that you thought was insignificant is, is helping Chi Alpha reach 
the campus of the University of Iowa. You are the seed of a miracle. In many ways, what we gave last, last year, it's the five loaves and the two fishes. And it's getting multiplied over and over and over again. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your willingness to risk, for your willingness to give above and for your willingness to sacrifice. Amen. This is the Life Church Podcast. 